Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Ratchet Book Club, Hood Classics, Good Classics, Derek. Yo, let's talk about... See, in the last episode, I was so mad that I didn't tell y'all while I was, why I was fully mad. But I, I, I got time now, cuz. Um, let's talk about... The, the 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 circumstances that happen when you're racing to finish a book or you're racing to bring storylines together and you don't care how they fit like slamming a circle uh peg into a square hole um until it just kind of folds or or really slamming a square hole into a circle hole cuz i've seen videos where the circle goes into the square hole pretty easily um Having Carter be commissioned to kill a priest, like that very chapter before, he's just walking out of prison talking about, all right, I got him, dog. And then he goes to kill a priest. And then having Mecca come to do a out of nowhere impromptu well that's what out of nowhere no impromptu's off the head i'm good um but do a impromptu confession because he doesn't want to talk to black pastors but he wants to say his crimes out loud to somebody for some strange stupid reason he wants to snitch on himself so this guy who's always known to code to the street all of a sudden just has to find somebody he can tell his crimes to. So instead of just getting on his knees and praying like he's been doing when he was drunk and high, he goes into a Catholic church that just happened to be the same Catholic church that Carter just killed the priest in. And Carter doesn't want to kill anybody else. So he goes and he hides in a confessional booth. And that's exactly where Mecca's is going to confess his sins. Let's really talk about that. Let's talk about the stardust circumstance, dink that just happened there in that Josiah Garza's priest, Josiah Garza, whose whole family lives in Mexico and is a Mexican cartel drug lord, um, just happens to have grown up somehow in Miami and been molested by Miami police. Okay, I just thought he got caught 
trafficking over state lines or over, you know, the border or something. But I guess he lives in Miami now. And also, Mecca is telling everything, everything, right when uh, Carter's right there. And then Mecca realizing that there's a problem with Carter. And even though he's not saying it, he can feel it. So now that tension is starting to build. But now we think Mecca's dead because murder shot him in the face. I doubt he's dead, though. And then there's the big coincidence to the room. In that Miss Beth, who I hope we see again at some point, she needs to be killed just happens to be working for Felipe Garza, who is uh, just happening to uh, be showing Carter around strip clubs and and telling him, exposing all of his game for some reason about him being a human trafficker and just happens to have Breeze. So this will just happen to start off the next part of the war because there it's he's gotta shoot this dude in the face, right? Y'all know where to find me. Leave a review. Chapter twelve. I've killed niggas for less than what you've done. Carter. The cartel had buried Breeze's memory so long ago that Carter didn't believe his eyes. This can't be her, he thought as he rushed over to the bed and pulled the girl off her knees. Hey, wait your turn, the John protested. Carter pulled his gun and trained his aim on the man. And he, Garza said that Breeze was one of his finest. But they didn't have her in... Like, a few chapters back, they didn't choose her to be one of the finest. They talked all the time about her being one of the most beautiful, one of the finest or whatever. But they chose Liberty to be in this house that Breeze is now somehow in. They said that. That they were going to humiliate her and all that kind of stuff. So how she end up in... It doesn't matter. It's a house of ill repute. Um, and everybody in there is being... Uh, completely exploit it and just burn the whole fucking place down. Carter pulled his gun and trained his aim on the man who bitched up quickly, raising his hands in defense. He scrambled to get his clothing before scurrying out of the room. Breeze? Carter called out. Breeze heard her name being called, but her high had her in a nod too deep to come out of. Carter, what is this? This is my place of business, senor. You can't just... The girl before him was a mere shell of the vibrant young woman he had come to know. His mind told him that this girl couldn't be Breeze. They had left her for dead so long ago, and he was skeptical. But the resemblance was too similar to miss. When he saw the small gold cross hanging from her neck, her identity was confirmed. So what you're telling me is that in all the time that Mati had her and was assaulting her, and in all the time that she literally traveled on a slave ship, nobody was like, that's a nice small gold cross that looks real around your neck, Snatch. She's riding around with people who are forcibly 
pumping drugs into her veins and you don't think they would have snatched the gold cross off her neck so then she wouldn't have had anything to hold on to to remind her of her old family? Oh. Through all of the storms her life had thrown her way, the necklace was still there. It had been the only piece of home she had left. Carter turned his attention on Felipe as he rushed him with his gun drawn. He wrapped his hand around Felipe's throat as he put his gun directly to his forehead, forcing him against the wall of the bedroom. Where'd you get her? He barked as spit flew from his mouth. Felipe could see that Carter was irrational. I could see that you're upset over this girl. She's my sister, Carter shouted as he pulled back the hammer on his gun. Where did you get her? It will be his last time asking. Now, in Felipe's defense, he don't know where these girls came from, or he knows where these girls came from, but he doesn't know where they came from. So I'm sure that if Carter had just said, you know what, that's my sister. I mean, there's no way that you could say that rationally or not be angry about it. But in Felipe's defense, he ain't no. He's a scumbag. Of ill, ill high levels of scumbaggery. He's going to take anybody. But if his business partner says that's my sister, he's going to tell him the whole tale. And yeah, the business might be eliminated after that. But Carter is... What you going to do? Family or business? The cartel needs you too. Family or business, fam? Carter knew that his actions were irrational and stupid, but he was acting out of emotion alone, disregarding the voice in the back of his mind telling him to calm down. Carter, this is not going to end well for you. I understand your reaction, and I can assure you that I had no idea of her affiliation to your family. Now that I know, something can be worked out, Felipe stated calmly yet firmly. Carter released Felipe and rushed back over to Breeze. She was delusional. She reached up and wrapped her arms around his neck. Come here, baby. Let me make you feel good, she whispered, thinking that Carter was a John. <sighs> Pure emotion pulsed through him as he scooped her up into his arms. Seeing her like this was breaking down the very essence of his manhood, making him feel weaker than he ever had before. He had failed her. Mecca had failed her. Every man in her life who was supposed to keep her safe had failed. This ain't for you, Breeze, he stated sadly. None of this was ever supposed to happen to you. Carter carried her over to Felipe, her head resting upon his broad shoulders as she fell into a nod. I'll buy her, Carter said. A half a million dollars. Why the fuck are you, you just told him that she was your sister and he said that something could be worked out. He said that he didn't know and why are you offering a half a million dollars for your sister? Like she's a, for, for your cost, for your, for your troubles, I'm going to give you a half a million dollars for my sister who if you want to do business with me, you better give me my sister and give me, like, a bunch of cocaine. That's how this should work. That's how this should play out. But instead, you're still treating her like she's a a, a, a business chip. Like, like, a, a, like this is a, a, 
a business operation or a, a negotiation. She's not kidnapped. You literally have her in your arms. If you bout about it and route her out, shoot her. Shoot him, rather. I'm sorry. Shoot him. But you're not. But what you shouldn't do is pay for your own sister because... There was no negotiating this bargain. And Felipe could see that bartering was not an option. Carter was a man who was protecting his family. Plus, you're getting $500,000. There's no need to really negotiate this shit. You were going to give her away for free. That connection had no boundaries. Felipe knew this. Because he would go against a thousand armies to ensure the safety of his own loved ones. Felipe nodded and placed a hand on Carter's shoulder. He was not willing to give her away. What the fuck? To him, Breeze was just property, an expensive piece of real estate. But to maintain the business he was establishing with the cartel, he was willing to sell her back. If I could give her back to you for free, I would. But I paid a high price for her. Check this out, y'all. A half a million dollars is not necessary. Just replace the 75000 I spent in acquiring her and you could take her home. I paid a high price for her. You're standing here with half a million. I paid a lot for her. I paid $75,000. That was a lot. Just give me that back and we're good. I don't, I don't give a fuck. Felipe opened the bedroom door. As Carter stepped out, he was instantly surrounded by Mexican men who held automatic machine guns pointed his way. He had no idea that Felipe had so many soldiers throughout the brothel. They were his security, and every room was monitored. Felipe knew that he had never been in danger. The only person whose life was at stake was Carter's. Felipe lifted his hand to halt his army of loyal shooters and shook his head from side to side. Let them pass, he said. Felipe turned to Carter. My driver will take you back to the airstrip. I know you're eager to get home. We'll take care of the details later. The men lowered their weapons obediently, and Carter carried Breeze out of the brothel as she clung to him. He kissed the top of her head as he stepped into Felipe's limousine. When he was inside of the tented vehicle, he broke down over Breeze cradling her closely and hugging her tightly as his tears fell relentlessly. There was no stopping them. This was his baby sister, the most innocent one of all, and yet she had been through the worst hell imaginable. You think? You fucking wrote it. The rest of his family had played the game and accepted the risks, but it was Breeze who had been sucked in by association, only to be chewed up and spit out. He could only imagine the cold and lonely places she had just come from. As he looked down at her face, he noticed a change in her. Whatever she had been through, it had drained her spirit. Even through the high from the heroin, he could see the hopelessness in her eyes. He grimaced as he thought of all the men who... They don't have to say this. They don't. He grimaced as he thought of all the men who had invaded her body. And as she began to scratch herself in her sleep... He saw the tell-all signs of a junkie. You know, when I'm asleep, I scratch my back. I scratch my butt. I fart, depending on the situation. 
Sometimes my farts are so bad they wake me up. Does that make me a junkie? Are those telltale signs? Me scratch my back, my back itches. I scratch my back because it itches, busting on all these punk ass bitches. That was the first record that I was going to make when I became a rapper at the age of 16, which is why it's not made for everybody. But I can do it because I'm fucking talented. That was just a horrible ass rap. It also sounded like a jingle. I wonder if I could sell that for a commercial. As they pulled up to the airstrip and boarded the private jet, Carter held on to her tightly, as if she would disappear. Breeze opened her eyes slightly and looked drowsily up at her older brother. I just want to go home. Please take me to my family. They don't even know I'm alive, she whispered, still disoriented and unaware of her surroundings. I'm taking you home, Breeze, and nobody will ever hurt you again. Zaire awoke to the sound of his cell phone vibrating against his wooden nightstand. He sat up and wiped the sleep out of his eyes as he reached over Ileana to answer it. Carter's name appeared on the screen, and he answered it immediately. Yo, fam, it's like 7 in the morning. You know the streets don't see me until noon, Zaire stated with fatigue. I'm outside of your building. Buzz me in. We need to talk, Carter stated. Zaire had known Carter long enough to know when something serious had gone down. I thought you weren't due back from Tijuana until... Open the door, Zai. I'll explain when I see you, Carter replied. His tone was demanding, but Zaire knew Carter too well not to pick up on the anxiety that was in his voice. Zaire hung up his phone and then slid out of the bed to avoid waking Ileana. It was obvious that Carter wanted to discuss business, and he wanted the conversation to remain private. He shut his bedroom door as he exited and buzzed Carter in. When Zaire opened the door and saw the stress lines on Carter's forehead, he knew something had gone awry. His red, sorrow-filled eyes told a story all their own. I need to talk to you, Carter stated as he stepped inside. Carter knew how Zaire felt about Breeze. And although her return was a joyous event, he wanted to prepare Zaire for it. He knew that Zaire loved his younger sister, and he didn't want her condition to be a surprise to him. Breeze was not the same girl she used to be. No doubt, fam. Come in, Zaire invited as he stepped to the side to allow Carter to enter. It's about Breeze, Carter stated. Breeze? Zaire repeated in confusion. Breeze is dead. We said our goodbyes to her a long time ago. She's alive, Zaire, Carter stated as he put his hand on Zaire's shoulder. Zaire smacked his hand away. It was the first time he had ever bossed up against his mentor. His face frowned in pain as he backed away from Carter, bumping into his end table and sending a lamp crash to the floor. Are we dramatic? The mere mention of Breeze's name was a soft spot for Zaire. Are we dramatic? Like, her brother's coming in saying she's alive and you're... No! 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 Come on, man. Fuck is you saying, fam? She's been gone for almost two years. She's dead. We held the service. Carter stood stoically as he nodded his head. You're... Wait. Wait, 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 wait. So, Carter 
brings Breeze home. And I know he knows he's got beef with this nigga because he killed his, his girl and all. I know this. But wouldn't you call Mecca first to let him know that his sister was alive? Carter stood stoically as he nodded his head. He knew that Zaire would take Breeze's reemergence just as hard as he had taken her actual death. I know. We were wrong. She was still alive. Yeah, because she, you know, in the dream, y'all were all more ambitious about searching for her ass. Zaire began to tear up as he put his hands on his head. Don't say that to me, man. That means I gave up on her, fam. If she's been out there all this time, then I failed her. I was supposed to bring her home, Zaire stated emotionally as he punched the wall in frustration, putting his fist through a plaster and causing his knuckles to bleed. He put his bald fist to the side of his head in utter turmoil as he closed his eyes in horror. This is the last thing he expected to hear Carter say. Wars, he was ready to fight. Money, he knew how to collect. Beef, he enjoyed to cook. But to hear the only girl he had ever loved to come back from the dead had him shook. It was the only situation that he was unprepared to handle. It was a chapter that he had closed in his life, and now it was about to be rewritten. Zaire's grief reminded Carter of his own. It was the same way he felt about me and more. He wished that she would magically reappear the same way that Breeze had done, but there was no bringing her back. She was gone forever, and because of this, he hoped that Zaire appreciated the gift that he was being given. She was working in one of Felipe's brothels. He says he purchased her from a woman who runs a human trafficking camp called Murderville. I don't know what Breeze has been through, but I know that she needs you. Zaire looked at Carter in utter astonishment as he collapsed on the couch. He buried his face in his hands and shook his head from side to side. His brain could not process the information, but his heart had sped up dramatically and felt as if it would beat out of his chest. Take me to her, Zaire stated. Take you to who? Ileana's voice broke through the conversation and was an unwelcomed intrusion. She wasn't shy and she made no efforts to cover her scantily clad body as she stood in front of Carter and Zaire while smoking a freshly rolled blunt. You know, they never said what Zaire was wearing. Was he scantily clad too? Because, you know, he just rolled out of bed with her. Also, did she roll the blunt? That was quick. That was a good roll. She's talented. Zaire ignored her question and refocused on Carter. I need to see her, fam. Carter saw the look of displeasure across Ileana's face. He hoped that Zaire could see the signs that Ileana was giving off. It was obvious that she wanted more than Zaire was willing to give. The jealous look on Ileana's face spoke volumes, and Carter made a note to put Zaire up on game later. Handle your business and wrap things up here. I'll be waiting downstairs. Breeze will be happy to see you, Carter replied. This nigga's about to hurt Ileana. As Zaire dressed, Il or Ileana's about to call home and say that he did something to her. As Zaire dressed, Ileana stood in the doorway of his bedroom while smoking the cush weed slowly. I know he's not rushing out to see some bitch when he has me here. Ain't nothing better than this. 
Ileana thought arrogantly. Who's this Breeze bitch you so worked up over? Ileana asked. Zaire stopped dead in his tracks and approached her as he buttoned up his Armani cardigan. He stood two inches away from her face as he said, Don't ask questions about things that don't concern you. You're here to keep track of your brother's money. So start counting, Zaire stated, referring to the money that they had sexed on the night before. Without another word, he walked out of the room. Ileana's feelings were not his concern. He had one thing and one thing only on his mind, getting to Breeze. Thank you for meeting me, Mecca stated. Wait, what? Was that a dream sequence too? They're about to explain it. Thank you for meeting me, Mecca stated as he sat down on the park bench next to Lena and his nephew. She looked up at him and noticed a graze wound on his face. She had known him long enough to be able to tell that it had come from a bullet, one that had barely missed him. What happened to your face? she asked. I had a little run-in with someone. Nothing major. I appreciate you showing up, Lee, he said, changing the subject. You said you had something to say, she replied. Lena was so short with him. She could not let go of the tiny piece of anger she still held on to, and Mecca heard it in her voice. Nigga, you shot her. Bang, bang. You still toting pistols in my nephew's diaper bag? Mecca asked, trying to lighten the mood. Lena ignored his question as she looked out at the children playing in front of her. What do you want, Mecca? She asked impatiently. I don't know, Mecca replied honestly. I want us to become friends again if that's possible. Lena raised her eyebrows skeptically. Friends? She repeated. I know that's a lot to ask for, but it's the truth. I did what you said. I asked God for forgiveness. Well, actually, you asked your brother, but... That's good, Mecca. I'm glad that you took that first step, she admitted. She looked into his troubled eyes and said, I wish you had taken it a long time ago. How do I know if it worked? Mecca asked sincerely. Lena looked at him suspiciously. She had never seen this side of Mecca before. You'll start to feel better, she replied. As she looked down at her son, who had fallen asleep in her lap, she said, he looks just like you. Mecca nodded and replied, Money was always the winner. He was a lucky man. You were too, Mecca. You just didn't appreciate me like you should have, Lena admitted. The crowded public place put her at ease around Mecca. She had snuck out while Estes was out playing golf. But she didn't dare meet Mecca in private. She chose a place where there would be too many witnesses for Mecca to try anything stupid. I appreciate you now, Mecca replied. I'm tired of living recklessly, Lee. I know I've made a lot of mistakes in the past, but I need your help to make my future better. I have no right to ask you this, but you're the only person who can make me better. I don't want this life no more, Ma. She's not the only one who can make you better, fam. Like, it's literally your job to make yourself better. And... This is a good conversation because, men, you got to stop waiting for a woman to make you better and then getting mad at them when they leave you because you are looking at them to be literally your nursemaid to make you into a man. you got to cut that shit out. 
Lena hated the fact that her heart raced around Mecca, but she couldn't stop it. Just as she was about to respond, Mecca's phone rang loudly. He answered it. Yo, Mecca, you need to come to my place right away. It's important, Carter stated. I'm kind of in the middle of something, Mecca protested. It can wait, Carter insisted before hanging up the phone. Mecca sighed as he turned back towards Lena. I have to go, but I do want to finish this discussion. Can we meet again? He asked. Against her better judgment, Lena nodded. Yeah, Mecca. I'll meet you whenever you call. So even though you shot me, murdered your uh, brother, tried to murder me, because it is necessary for the growth of Mecca, I'm at your beck and call. Against my better intentions, against my better thoughts, I'm at your beck and call. Hit me when you need me. I'm going to keep showing up. Even though you tried to kill me. A lot. You abused me before you tried to kill me. It was a small step. But Mecca was grateful because it meant that it was possible for him to close the gap between them. When Zaire saw Breeze lying in the bed, his knees almost gave out. The dark circles around her eyes, the track marks on her arms, and the bruises and cuts on her body made him cringe as if he could feel her pain. He sat in the chair next to her bed as Carter stood near the doorway. They doped her up, Zaire whispered, grief-stricken as he grabbed her limp hand and held onto it gently. He kissed it and noticed that she was ice cold. She was in such bad condition that he almost didn't believe she was alive. But the rise and fall of her chest, along with the weak pulse he felt, told him otherwise. What did they do to you, B? I'm sorry, he whispered. He felt her stir slightly in her sleep as she began to come to. Her eyes opened, and she began to panic at the sight of the unfamiliar setting. She sat up in bed and put her back against the wall as she prepared to defend herself. But when her eyes met Zaire's, a sense of safety fell over her. You're not real, she uttered. I'm real, Ma, he assured her as he reached out to touch her cheek. She looked around in bewilderment. I'm home? She asked. This is real? Yeah, you're home, Breeze. You're safe now, Zaire stated. Breeze fell into his embrace as she wept heavily on his shoulder. I should have been there, Zaire said. Breeze was too hysterical to respond. She choked on her own tears as Zaire held her tightly. Words would only complicate the situation because neither of them could express how they were feeling. I'm feeling dismayed because she's not in a um, drug treatment center. It was the first time in his adult life desire had allowed himself to cry. The love of a woman had made him whole again. Just seeing her face uplifted him. I'm not letting you go, Ma. Ever. You hear me? He stated as he held on to her tightly. Tell me you trust me, Ma. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, he repeated over and over again. I trust you, Zaire, she whispered, absorbing his presence. She sucked it all in, because she was sure that at any moment she would wake up and it would all be a dream. Mecca knocked on Carter's door, and when he saw his brother's face, he immediately became concerned. What happened? 
What's so urgent? He asked. I found Breeze, Carter revealed. Mecca's eyes opened wide with hope as he raced past Carter and went from room to room until he finally located her in the spare bedroom. He stopped in his tracks when he saw her weeping passionately in Zaire's arms. He noticed her track-ridden arms immediately and winced in internal pain. Breeze, he called out to her, causing her to look up. Mecca, she yelled as she jumped up and leapt into his arms. She wrapped her legs around his entire midsection as if she were still a little girl. He rubbed her hair and rocked her back and forth. He held on to his sister so tightly that she couldn't breathe, but she didn't protest. This feeling of familiarity, of safety, felt too good to breeze. She had been deprived of her family for too long, and now she was back. It was too much for her to handle as she sobbed in the Mecca's shoulder. Shh. It's okay now, B. He whispered as he held back his own tears. His efforts to stay strong failed him as his tears began to fall from his eyes. I'm going to kill a nigga. Everybody who ever hurt you, Breeze, I promise. He pledged as he felt her heart beating through her chest. I thought you were gone, Breeze. I thought you were lost forever. They hurt me, Mecca. Over and over again, she cried. They're dead, B. Don't even think about that, Mecca said soothingly. He wiped his eyes as he held on to her. She was so weak that he had to be her strength. There was no room for him to be fragile. Breeze needed him, and as he caressed her hair soothingly, he gritted his teeth from the very thought of the abuse she had suffered. He had never been as gentle with anyone as he was with his baby sister at that moment. The Diamond family had kept her the most sheltered. She was their world. The excitement of being home overwhelmed her, and her stomach began to boil as she realized how long it had been since her last fix. A full 24 hours had gone by, and to an addicted breeze, that felt like a lifetime. She was used to being high around the clock. I'm going to be sick, she gurgled as she released Mecca. Zaire grabbed the small trash bin that sat beside the bed and rushed to her side as she threw up. Violent fits of vomit spewed from her mouth as Mecca watched in agony. He knew that her body was craving heroin. He had been in the streets too long not to notice the symptoms. Breeze was a dopehead. His beautiful baby sister had been turned out, and the dismay he felt was written in agony on his face. I got her, Zaire stated, knowing that Mecca was about to break down any second. Zaire lay Breeze back down on the bed as Mecca nodded and walked out of the room. It was too much for him to bear to see Breeze in so much distress. Carter stared callously at Mecca as he entered the living room, and an uncomfortable silence filled the space between the two. He walked over to his wet bar and poured two glasses of cognac. He handed one to Mecca. Mecca hesitantly took the drink from his brother as he stared at him intently. Is it safe to drink? Mecca asked directly. Why wouldn't it be? Carter shot back. As the two men sat, waiting for Zaire to finish his time with Breeze, they didn't speak. But the silence spoke louder than any words ever could. This reunion was supposed to be joyous, but there was a great divide between the two brothers that put a thick fog over the mood.
Fuck it, nigga. Let's get everything out in the open and lay the cards on the table. I know you know I killed your bitch, Mecca stated bluntly as he put his hand conveniently on his waistline near his 4-5. You gonna shoot me like you shot Monroe? Carter countered, unrattled by Mecca. Carter had never been afraid of another nigga a day in his life, and the loose cannon in front of him was no exception. The safety on Carter's pistol was already off, and by the time Mecca chambered around, he would already be circled in chalk, if you wanted to play it that way. As Carter stared at Mecca, his nostrils flared in anger, but he kept his composure. That was a mistake, Mecca stated. I should have killed you. I've killed niggas for less than what you've done, but you're my brother, Mecca. I'm not like you. Loyalty is everything to me. If you had been any other nigga, I would have blown your brains out your fucking head, Carter stated, enunciating each word so that Mecca understood him clearly. He paused as he stared intently at Mecca. Then why didn't you? Mecca asked as he removed his 4-5 and placed it on his lap. His finger wrapped around the trigger, just in case. He didn't want to have to shoot Carter, but there was malice in the air, and he knew that if he gave Carter the chance to bust first, it was over. Because you're not any other nigga. You're my blood, and having Breeze back has brought some perspective into my life. Family is all there is. Our sister's in that room right now, suffering because of a war you started. Because of a lie that you told. We're the last three standing. And because of that. I cannot kill you. My sister. Our sister loves you. And she needs you. It's because of her. And only because of her. That I'm willing to leave the past in the past. Everybody want to label Mecca the bad guy. Mecca stated as he hit his chest and put his gun away. What the fuck? Like, they're off. He's literally offering you grace. Like, dude, you're my brother. She's my sister. This is all your fault, which it is. But I'm going to let you live because you're my brother and family is thick. Yo, everybody want to label me the bad guy. Why you want to label me the bad guy? What you going to do? Like, what the fuck? Take the grace, bitch. You think this family isn't everything to me? He asked. I was out of my mind when I shot money. I never meant for him to die, but you can't point fingers, Carter, because the family is so important to you, then you would have watched the company you kept. I'm not in the mood to decipher riddles. You got something to say, just say it, Carter replied. That bitch me a more. Open your eyes. She was just like me. She poisoned my mother, and her fucking murder mama tried to kill me. Don't put falsehoods on a ghost, Mecca. As a matter of fact, don't even speak her name, Carter stated harshly. It was too soon for Mecca to even try and justify his actions. Thinking of me and more was like pouring alcohol in an open wound for Carter. It was excruciating. See, that's the shit I'm talking about. The truth has been in front of your face the entire time. You don't want to see it. You were fucking the enemy, and I wouldn't be surprised if you were a mark to her all along. The bitch was a killer. A damn good one, too, Mecca stated with an ironic chuckle. I did what you would have never been able to do. 
I protect this family no matter the cost, so you can blame me all you want. But let me ask you this question. If I didn't kill her, who would she have killed next? Zaire came into the room and cleared his throat, interrupting a heated conversation. She needs to be checked out by a doctor, Zaire said. I have a private physician coming here first thing in the morning, Carter informed. She's out there. Wait, didn't you call Zaire like 7 o'clock in the morning? He was like, don't wake me up before noon. <laughs> so now it's like eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning. What you mean first thing in the morning? Get that doctor there now. She needs your help. She's out there bad. It's going to take a while for her to readjust and get the drugs out of her system. They were feeding her heroin three times a day, every day, in Mexico. We will all have to keep a very close watch over her. She's not staying here, Mecca spoke up. There was no way he was going to let anything happen to Breeze again. Any place where Mia Moore used to rest her head was not safe enough for his little sister. She'll be safer in my place. She's not staying with you, Carter said with authority. There was no way he was entrusting her life to Mecca. We both know what you're capable of. Fuck is that supposed to mean? Mecca shouted defensively. He didn't appreciate the subtle jabs that Carter was taking at him. There was no way he would ever bring harm to Breeze. Yeah, like when you shot the money man who was you were supposed to trail back to Matisse's place to find out where Breeze was in the first place. Yeah, like that. Means what it means, Mecca. She's not staying with you, Carter countered. Just as an argument was about to break out, Zaire interjected. She'll stay with me. The tone of his voice left no room for argument. Both Mecca and Carter respected Zaire. It was the best place for Breeze to recuperate safely. The fuck you gonna do about Eliana, though? He about to get Breeze smothered in her sleep. Mecca grabbed her jacket, and how the fuck are both of them like, yeah, we'll entrust her to somebody that, you know, ain't even in the family. But, you know, he's the reason why she got kidnapped in the first place, but, you know. Okay. Mecca grabbed his jacket and brushed past Carter as he headed for the door. I'll be by to see Breeze tomorrow, Zaire. Keep her safe, he said sincerely. Zaire nodded, and Mecca walked out the door without acknowledging Carter as he slammed the door forcefully behind him. Zaire looked at Carter curiously. Fuck was that all about, he asked. Carter shook his head as worry lines creased his forehead. He downed the rest of his drink before replying, He killed me more. Although Zaire had a million questions to ask, he knew that if Carter wanted him to know details, he would have elaborated. Without hesitation, Zaire answered, You want me to handle that? Carter sighed, wishing that the solution could be so easy. He poured himself another drink. There's nothing to handle. He's my brother. I can't give that order after everything that this family's been through. Just take care of Breeze, Zai. That's all I need from you right now. You're the only person I can trust at the moment. Everybody else in this fucking city has been wearing a mask all along. Including Polo. Who just completely dropped off the face of the earth. My beloved wife asked me a couple days ago, where the fuck is Polo? And I was like, you know what, I don't know. I don't know, he's been quiet. It's like when you have a kid 
when you have three kids and one kid is sitting next to you watch TV and the other kid is on their laptop playing Fortnite right there at the computer desk next to you. But the last kid, where the fuck is that little nigga? He's been quiet for a long ass time. And that's when you find out that that kid's been making artwork in the bathroom. I mean, this is allegedly because my kids have never made artwork in the bathroom. I see all these pictures on Facebook and shit of parents who are like, this is what parenting is like. And they got books in the toilet and and scribbles all over the dog and all over the walls and shit like that. And I'm like, I don't know what parent you talking about, but it's apparent that that shit ain't never happened to me. But yeah. I don't know. The irony was lost on uh, Mecca about how what Breeze was going through was the same thing he put the streets through because they're selling heroin on the block. So he's getting to see exactly what a fiend, but he knows what a fiend looks like because he's like, I recognize that scratch, that itch. I think it's going to turn out badly. Well, it has turned out badly. It's a cartel three. Somebody's going to end up getting killed. Like another woman's going to be sacrificed. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Uh, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Um, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Podchaser. cool thing about it is you can leave a review uh, for the show as a whole. Or you can leave a review for each separate episode. Uh, you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And on Stitcher. Um, you can... Donate money for us to buy more books at patreon.com slash single simulcast. Uh, you can also get exclusive content there. Shit that we do. Um, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash sscast uh, to uh, help us buy books. All the money goes towards books and towards the shows, basically. Um, and if you're on good pods, you can just put, you could tip us, just put the money in the tip jar. You see what I'm going through while I'm reading this. I mean, you hear this book, you're not having to read it. You're just having to listen to it. So to either leave a review or donate money ain't a big thing. Like help a brother out, get me through these dark moments of these books. Thank y'all so much for listening. I do greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know by now that you say